G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. This week's political agenda with Dan Flynn from the Australian Christian Lobby. Dan is Deputy Director. Dan, welcome back to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. Hey, Dan, lockdown lifted today for vaccinated people only. What are your thoughts about what's happening in New South Wales? Well, look, it's certainly a good start and... uh I think there's an incredible pent-up excitement, you know, uh, in New South Wales uh, and, you know, even in the ACT here uh, about the idea of getting out of lockdowns. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good start. And I see only a stone's throw away from where I am, Scott Morrison, uh, our Prime Minister, stepping out of the lodge this morning, the end of his 14-day quarantine, uh, celebrating with uh, the New South Wales people. Uh, so, um, look, there's a lot of positivity um, around getting out of lockdown. We don't know what's what the next stage of this looks like, but um, something to celebrate. And I think uh, particularly for uh, our audience, Neil, you know, the what, what I'm loving seeing in New South Wales is that they, you know, they're, they're, they're shortly not going to make any distinction between vaccinated and unvaccinated, uh, which is very healthy. It's no one's goal to get 100% of people vaccinated. 80% is, is, you know, that's enough and we're going to be there easily enough. Uh, So uh, my heart goes out to those who are not vaccinated uh, for, you know, whatever reason they have decided to be. And I think their, uh, their rights need to be upheld as much as anybody else's. Dan, how are churches faring? Because one of the biggest concerns was that somehow or other churches would come under the direction of a general health order and they would have to discriminate against people who are unvaccinated. Is that the case in New South Wales? How does that look? Look, I think it's looking uh, pretty good, Neil. Uh, My brother was a pastor in New South Wales and, uh, you know, he informs me that they'll be very shortly opening up and making no distinction um, I understand that's even as early as next Sunday. So uh, what we uh, apprehended there uh, is going to be resolved. And I do think, and I know, uh, that the New South Wales government has heard from faith leaders on this. So, um, you know, it just shows how important people's advocacy is uh, that um, the faith community has really stood up on this issue, which is brilliant. And, of course, if the faith community had failed to stand up, uh, you might wonder what was going on because this idea of a discrimination in church life isn't something that you would uh, that you would roll over easily on. So uh, your perceptions of how faith leaders have, have actually stood up for this particular right that we would uh, expect to have uh, a non-discriminatory uh, policy in church life? Look, um, denominational leaders have been picking up the phone um, have been speaking uh, to premiers about this across the country. That has certainly been happening. Uh, there have been, you know, grassroots people uh, emailing, no doubt. Um, but, um, you know, we're seeing greater progress in New South Wales than we are in Victoria. In fact, to be honest, Neil, we're seeing very concerning developments in Victoria. Um, and I know of a situation where some MPs are actually going to be locked out of Parliament 
uh, if they're unvaccinated in the next um, couple of sitting weeks. So, um, you know, we're, we're seeing some, some sort of uh, uh, freedom uh, orientation uh, coming through our new, new New South Wales Premier, uh, Dom Perrottet, that um, is very encouraging. Dan, speaking of Dominic Perrottet, any thoughts on the new Premier? He's got a bit of flack in the media this past week because he's a Conservative Christian. Uh, any thoughts around his uh, first days at the at the helm of New South Wales? Well, what a breath of fresh air. Uh, he's a, a young, energetic man, uh, clearly uh, well across politics, has been the Treasurer for five years, um, capable behind a microphone, um, obviously very, um, you know, presentable to the public and comes from a Catholic Christian background, six children, one of 12. Um, what a fantastic story. Um, and it's certainly interesting, Neil, digging a bit, bit deeper, um, Dominic definitely has strong uh, Christian um, background, uh, strong Christian statements on uh, important topics like euthanasia, abortion, political correctness, um, all quite inspiring. So um, we're very much liking what we're seeing and it's uh, being the Premier is, is perhaps a little more restricted than he would be in other roles, but um, uh, this is a very promising start. Of course, we're aware that we need to be prayerful uh, for all of our leaders, no matter what side of politics they might be on. But a uh, big test for the new Premier coming just this week because in New South Wales, uh, the assisted suicide bill is being tabled tomorrow. I mean, this is happening this week. Well, that's right, Neil. And back in 2017, the euthanasia was before the New South Wales Parliament uh, Dominic Perrottet spoke on it at that time and said that, um, you know, this legislation is inherently unsafe. Uh, people will be pressured. There'll be, there'll be cloudiness in people's judgment. Uh, one thing we can be sure of, he said, is that innocent people will die. So he has really strong views on this and no doubt we'll hear him speak on it in Parliament. Um, but um, that being said, there is a bill on tomorrow. It'll be a conscience vote. And I think the numbers will be very, very tight. But, um, you know, being the Premier, his voice will um, influence many and, and is a ray of hope for those who were and are very concerned about this euthanasia legislation. Dan, no doubt your team have been across the detail in the bill. Uh, how do you see it? Uh, does it protect the elderly, the sick, the vulnerable, or is it like all of the other bills that have passed in states around Australia? Look, it's, it's really um, a bit like the Queensland bill, very, very bad in terms of uh, no protection for institutions, doctors being able to come into hospitals and administer this um, you know, medication, inverted commas, to help people die um, or, or, or actually to kill them. I mean, helping people die is what people do in palliative care, keeping people comfortable, medicating them appropriately, but not killing them. And of course, the shame with this is that it is actually killing people and you know, we need to be clear about that. And so, um, yeah, this is going to be on tomorrow and uh, it's going to be a difficult week. But we, we uh, trust God. Uh, this has been spread throughout other states um, in, in recent years 
Uh, let's hope it doesn't get through New South Wales. It is a difficult week ahead, and especially for New South Wales residents, uh, those who might be able to participate in an opportunity to be in contact with uh, members uh, in the upper house and in the lower house. Uh, how do you have you have a, an arrangement uh, where people can easily make that contact via the ACL website, Dan? Yes, absolutely. If they go to the homepage, they'll see right at the top there how they can um, uh, write to their MPs uh, on the topic of New South Wales, euthanasia. Many thousands have already, so keep it up. Uh, these MPs will be reading their emails. They'll be counting their emails. And some uh, say, oh, look, they don't want the emails, but, but uh, many, many do because it strengthens their arm in their conversations in the party room tomorrow morning that they've had so many constituents very concerned about this. Uh, so, uh, what, you know, these MPs really do care about voters and, and uh, your listeners in New South Wales are important voters, so I'd encourage them to be involved. So it will be acl.org.au to participate in a campaign there, being in contact with upper and lower house MPs in New South Wales. Hey, let's turn our sights to the other side of the nation. In Western Australia, there's a landmark transgender case there. And talk about being a pro-life, pro-family. Uh, a tragic story in WA about a child who's been removed from her parents' mm-hmm. custody because they didn't support her having hormone treatment as part of a gender transition. It's almost unbelievable, Dan. Well, it started off as a magistrate who uh, ordered that a child be taken away from parents. A parents of, a, of a, a lovely biological female now, uh, this uh, person is identified as TM uh, in the court case, uh, and TM now identifies as male, and basically because the parents were affirming their daughter becoming a male, then you know, that was said to cause harm, and uh, the, the child was taken away from the parents. The parents appealed that to the Western Australian Supreme Court and found themselves before the Chief Justice, Justice Quinlan, Now, um, Justice Peter Quinlan uh, said, well, look, you know, words and phrases used by the parents, um, you know, that that caused harm, you know, to say you're my daughter, um, you know, caused harm and, you know, would be very disturbing for the child, very distressing. So um, uh, the magistrate's decision was upheld and that child is still removed from the parents' custody. So what what are parents to do, Neil? Um, you know, in the face of so much transgender advocacy on social media affecting vulnerable young people, um, you know, to be a parent faced with this, um, you know, the risks are losing your child, being declared to be, um, you know, a perpetrator of family violence, all these risks are apparent. Uh, so it, it drives us to our knees, I think, Neil, to, to pray uh, that there'd be an outbreak in, in common sense on this, uh, on this gender issue. No easy approaches, Dan. It's this issue of suicide sometimes seems to be uh, misunderstood because it's claimed that if you're not affirming people who are transitioning, uh, if you have gender dysphoria, then somehow or other there's a greater risk of suicide. Now, there is a greater risk of suicide, but whether that's the actual reason, that's the thing that's in contention here. Any thoughts around this issue of suicide and people who have gender dysphoria and going through some level of transition? Well, it's a good point you make, you know, that, you know, 
people who are in you know who do transition um, and there's international evidence on this particularly from Sweden they're still 19 times more likely to suicide than the rest of the population and Sweden is a country that's very accepting of transgender people so the that stat would appear to indicate that there's something um, about the idea of transition which is incredibly disturbing for young people and the cause of it is not the parents um, wanting uh, the child to remain uh, as in TM's case as she was and so the uh, this shift of the idea of suicide onto the parents to burden them with that uh, is really uh, a tactic uh, that uh, has been quite effective to date and it's, it's a, a very strong uh, form of blackmail in my view. Dan, let's move on. Here we are, mid-October already, and we've been anticipating that there's going to be some movement around issues of religious freedom with a religious discrimination bill. Is there any hint that there might be a bill on its way? Well, there absolutely is, Neil. There, there is a bill, uh, and it is on its way. Uh, there are high-level meetings uh, today, in fact, uh, with the Attorney-General's uh, office, uh, with faith leaders um, right across the spectrum, uh, Islamic Jewish leaders, uh, working through uh, the detail uh, chapter and verse. And it's a, um, you know, there's a lot of negotiation involved in these uh, high-level meetings. Uh, the truth of the matter is that there will be a bill. There are only five sitting weeks left in the year, uh, two in October, two in November, and a few days in December. Very limited time available. Uh, but uh, we do expect to see a bill in the Parliament. Uh, what we really do hope, Neil, is that the bill does live up to its promises uh, and is not mere window dressing, that it provides actual protection. And, um, you know, ACL uh, from Martin Isles and senior lobbyists are heavily involved in this process. This religious discrimination bill, Dan, uh, high-level meetings today, uh, when it is tabled in the Parliament, clearly there'll be a fairly significant debate. Uh, how are you hoping that listeners to our conversation today might be in contact with MPs all around the nation? Is there that sort of campaign you're looking towards? Uh, yes, for sure, Neil. Uh, at the moment, we have a petition to the Prime Minister, which people will find at our website. And we propose to, uh, you know, gather that, organise it and get it to the Prime Minister. So uh, their signatory to that would mean a lot. And then when we see the bill, uh, what will happen next is um, no doubt we will advise uh, the Christian community in consultation uh, with other faith leaders on its, um, its benefits, its detriments and uh, whether it's a bill that we can ultimately support. Uh, so th th this is a high stake uh, matter is high stakes for the government because the government wants to proceed with a bill that has the support of the faith community and the faith community want a meaningful bill. So uh, both the government and the church leaders uh, are very heavily invested in this process. We'll be watching this space and giving plenty of attention to it when that bill comes. Uh, one last mention of an issue that is... Uh, really gathering momentum has big effects on Christian charities, Christian churches even. Uh, charities and the possibility of deregistration. The government seems to be uh, moving towards the idea of lowering the bar on deregistering charities if there's crime involved. What are your thoughts here? Well, the point of it is, Neil, that the crime that could deregister a charity 
they have lowered the bar from a serious crime uh, to a summary offence, which could be, you know, obstructing traffic or some very minor um, infringement notice type of matter. So uh, the concern of Christian churches and charities is that that bar, that bar is too low because if people want to go out on a, a march for life uh, and, uh, you know, perhaps uh, someone, you know, doesn't move on when they should uh, or they obstruct some traffic, uh, then that could put at risk the entire pro-life movement, for example. Now, I think the government's intentions, in fact, to target Extinction Rebellion and people who glue themselves, you know, to the pavement, uh, but uh, the nature of the wording is such that it affects churches and charities as well. So we are uh, speaking to uh, the relevant minister and to the crossbenchers at the moment uh, about this legislation. And there is a possibility, uh, and in fact, there will be a vote, we believe, Next Monday, the 18th of October, when Parliament resumes, there'll be a vote to disallow this regulation, a vote in the Senate. And if that is successful, then the regulation will be no more. Well, Dan, every single one of the issues we've spoken about today is a serious and urgent issue. And let me point listeners to finding out more detail about the things we're talking about today at the Australian Christian Lobby website, acl.org.au. And there's a number of campaigns and emailing processes that you can give some attention to. acl.org.au. That's acl.org.au. Dan Flynn is Deputy Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Dan, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. That's my pleasure, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.